The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. Sarah Timon just got here. Classic realtor showing up a couple minutes late. And uh, we got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country. And we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So it's been kind of a wild week with volatility heading into the Memorial Day weekend, which Things, you know, I, I think that quiet is a great word, Stacy. We were talking about that right before we got on air here. And if you look at what happened last week, and I've got some thoughts on this, we saw active inventory grow by almost 9,000 homes week over week. One of the one of the biggest bumps we've seen in 2023, which is very exciting news, especially for home buyers and sellers who have to go somewhere. We also saw rates jump up as high as seven and an eighth. And we saw a second straight week of negative data with purchase applications. So what are we feeling in the market right now? What did you guys see over the weekend? What are your clients saying? I mean, there, there's a couple developments here with the federal government debt deal that came to terms uh, over the weekend as well. A lot to unpack, but certainly uh, it, was, it was a wild week, to say the least. Definitely a wild week. Um, <laughs> and... As far as for my clients, I, this 7% didn't hit till late last week, So, uh, and, and it was a very quiet weekend. So I, so for my buyers, I don't think that they've that has really sunk in yet, and we'll see if they stay at uh, a little over 7% or if uh, the debt ceiling drama will help calm you know, the markets and, and settle things down. But for... Um, some of my savvy sellers out there, they took note and they decided, look, we're not waiting anymore. We're getting this house on the market. They realized that their buyer pool might be more limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're very interested in, in getting listed ASAP. Um, you know, why there's still that window of opportunity for them. Yeah. I mean, I had I did notice this weekend was slower than I kind of thought it might be. Um, so a lot of this didn't come up with with my clients too much over the weekend, but I do expect it is going to be a conversation um, this week. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, and, and and kind of my, my hope here, and I want to see what the, what the uh, tenure is doing today, is that because uh, a lot of this uncertainty was created by the government not having this debt deal in place. And they pretty much took uh, – they had five days left according to – a lot of the, uh, I think Janet Yellen had said that that was really when it, it might become more of an issue. So certainly uh, the the debt deal coming into place. I mean, my hope was that was going to kind of bring rates right back down to six and a half. Now today we, I saw quotes at seven, so they were seven and eighth down to seven. What the markets reacted pretty favorably. Do we think rates are going to come back down now that that uncertainty is gone? I know there's some additional data that's coming out this week around job reports. Uh, so. Do, do we see rates coming back down into the mid sixes? Because the the ten year, I mean it uh it, it went up pretty pretty uh, substantially there. It's up north of three point eight. Well, I think uh, once the this whole debt ceiling drama is really solidified and they come to a resolution, because there's still 
a lot of uncertainty about it out there. People are pushing back as far as our political leaders on each side. So I think think there's still some jockeying going on. So mm-hmm. that's and even, you know, the stock market was a little uncertain and was dipping down uh, earlier today. So I think until that is actually in the rearview mirror, um, I think it's, it's still going to affect uh, some of our markets. But honestly, I believe that we will be below seven in the next couple of weeks once they've figure and finalize everything. Yeah. I mean, my, my thought is in the next couple of weeks here, it'll, it'll tick down a little bit. Um, that is, that is my hope. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be kind of important to see where this trends. Well, and if you look at what what the ten year did, um, it, it hit three point eight five percent last week. So that, this is the ten year Treasury note, which typically is how mortgage uh, financing gets priced. It's down to three point seven, so it's moving in the right direction. I think it's going to take a little time uh, to see what happens, especially with this, this this other data coming out this week, because we've got another big week coming up with this, and I, we're almost back to this like daily reaction to what's going to happen, which which we were we were past a little bit. Um, because when, when you look at some of the reports that are coming out, um, it's jobs week, right? So we're going to get data on jobs, openings, jobless claims, and the, uh, on Friday, we're going to get the BLS jobs report, which is from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, um, that, that, that should be pretty impactful here as well. And a lot, you know, the Federal Reserve wants a higher unemployment rate, wage growth is going to be important, so... We've got all those things happening, so my, my hope is we'll see the tenure kind of climb down, and then we'll have to look at what the what the, what the jobs data looks like. Um, the positive I see here is inventory, right? So we're seeing inventory jump up. Are, are, are you seeing buyers a little hesitant to get back out there right now with rates climbing almost a half a point over the past week because we're seeing more inventory than, than we've seen before at a national level? I'll get the local numbers here in a second. Uh what, what Stacy and Sarah, what are you guys seeing there? Because to me, I see opportunity when this kind of stuff happens. I have um, some very, very serious clients right now that want to buy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the tick up in the interest rate is going to change their mind at all because they already are on the path to purchase. They just want to get – they have to either um, – sign another year lease, which they do not want to do because they feel that that's wasted money. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're, we've been looking, they're looking very specific areas. So it makes it a little bit more difficult. But I agree with you, Tom. I think that the the increased inventory is definitely opportunity. And uh, folks that have been putting their house purchase on the back burner should jump in because Honestly, this is still a great time to buy. We don't know what's going to happen, and especially as we approach an election year, it even becomes a little bit more uncertain. Um, so it's it's never a bad time to buy real estate. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's always there's always something that's coming always. on the horizon that could, you know, impact uh, impact these things. Um, certainly for my very motivated buyers, I think that the tick up in inventory has been great. Um, you know, it gives them more option. It does give more opportunity. I think that looking at those, you know, how many days something has been on market and finding that sweet spot, um, potentially if something was maybe, you know, listed a little bit too high or, or whatnot, uh, to kind of get in there, um, in that sweet spot before there's a price drop. And I mean, it's not like you find those every day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, cause you know, some homes are still going, you know, at record, record pace, but, the more properties that come to market, the more opportunity we have. 
And I've been scanning for back to actives too, mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's where you find yeah. some really good opportunity. Um, it, you know, with the increased interest rates, maybe the deal fell apart because right. of financing. So, you know, that's a good opportunity too. Back to active listings. No, those are those are great because it it does not mean that something is like dreadfully wrong with mm-hmm. the property, and that's why mm-hmm. it came well back said. to. And for the seller in those situations, like they they thought they had this yeah. deal, you know, so they're extra motivated to like keep this ball moving and keep the process moving along. Um, so absolutely, that's a, a great pocket to to look in. Well, I think a lot of sellers, they, they you know, they think it's going to be easy selling their home. And then when there's all this demand and you watch the news and, and these different things happen. It's one way to look at it. But then the flip side is that once you lose a deal, I think that that sticks with people a little bit. They mm-hmm. feel a little more compelled to make the next one work because these transactions are tough to put together. Um, just last week, so, I mean, locally we saw a, a, a decent bump over the past seven days. Now this is Tuesday to Tuesday. It's not ideal. We saw uh, about 600 homes come back uh, to the market in terms of uh, coming soon, new active or back to active listings uh, in the greater Philadelphia area. So it, it, there is some some opportunity there. What we're also seeing right now is there's like a little bit of a flurry of like expireds and, th- and and cancellations that we haven't seen in months. I would argue. I mean, just looking at what's what's out there. So because we're we're seeing, you have to really kind of dig for these opportunities if you're a consumer, and you know, be on the lookout for everything. I think too many people are um, they're waiting on just a traditional brand new listing. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen some of the best home purchases where the buyers are the most excited. They come from oh we we were the second option right like it was we were the backup offer and and that's something that a smart agent should be doing right now is if you lose out on these properties, be the backup offer because then you can beat everyone else from having another like sort of second round of a of a multiple offer bidding war situation. So have you had any success with those like backup offers? Have you guys done all that? I know we've had a couple uh, in house that that's worked, but I'm curious if you've seen that yourself. Um yes I have and that's. I mean, the the buyers are so excited. And then also being, I've been on the sell side before where we've mm-hmm. either taken backup offers or like stayed in touch with an agent who had a buyer who was, you know, especially motivated where like they're continuing to reach out with you, especially depending on how long that time frame is from getting under contract to settlement um, to see if everything's still on track. And if something does go awry, it also, it's great on the sell side to be able to be like, hey, all right, so this is what's happening here. But we've got this one that can just, you know, slip right in. Um, and it takes a lot of that pressure and disappointment off of the seller, you know, because it's like, all right, now we've got this one. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to to revisit uh, previous buyers that put offers in if they didn't go elsewhere already. But there's always that that possibility that they might. Um, I'm kind of like trying to work that situation right now. So we're still kind of in the, you know, preliminary phase, but we we are definitely a backup offer that is, and I've been pretty aggressive keeping up with the listing agent mm-hmm. about deadlines and contingencies and do they make this one and they make that one. Yep. <laughs> so uh, lo and behold, there's a contingency that's teetering on the edge right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so I reached out to my potential buyer and um, there is great interest still. So We'll see what we can navigate, but that's always, always something to, to look into also. When then that also shows on like for the listing agent side, like the fact that you've been keeping up with it this much on a transaction that isn't even like yours yet, you know, mm-hmm. like that you are going to get your buyer through all of these steps and mm-hmm. um, 
and get it to the the settlement table. And I think it it says something to the buyers too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like you didn't forget about me. Right. You know, we we don't have any contract in place, but you're still trying to you know rally for me and right. get me this property that I wanted so badly. Yeah. So I think it all the way around. Mm-hmm. It's just good practice. You know, I'm a little concerned about rates. I'm on CNBC right now, and uh, apparently there's some GOP opposition to the uh-huh. debt deal. And, uh, you know, it, so it doesn't look like it's a, it's a slam dunk here, and the markets have kind of reacted that way. Uh, my hope was this was going to be, all right, we're done, ready to go. And now I'm looking at this here, and the Dow Jones is down a little bit. Uh, S&P's up four hundredths of a percent, not very much. NASDAQ's up about half a percent. The Dow's down a quarter of a percent. So, I mean, it just... You know, this is this is the challenge where we're dealing with these policymakers, where it's every decision that they make um, that it it has an effect on things. So, and the ten, now the ten year is down. So I think the the ten year coming down. Stacy might be dying over here. I know the Heimlich. Don't worry. Um, so the the ten year is down to three point six nine. So <laughs> Stacy has, has left the studio. Um, I'm I'm glad to see the tenure at least is behaving appropriately. I mean, it makes me a little nervous here about what, you know, what the government's going to do because it's very unpredictable. Um, I guess that's dealing in politics in 2023 where every time anyone says anything, it affects the markets. (laughs) She's back. (laughs) So do you think they're going to work out this debt deal? I do, but I think there's still jockeying for the, 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 the more details, <clears throat> excuse me, this might be a five-minute choke out here, so I don't know. Um, but that's what I was hearing earlier today. There's still, on both sides, they're still wanting more out mm-hmm. of this debt deal. <clears throat> so that's what they're kind of positioning themselves now. But Janet Yellen raised, uh, she extended the deadline again. See, how, how, do they, how do they keep extending this deadline? This is what I don't understand. I know. If we're going to, like, if if it's so dire right. and calamity is going to strike, you know, if we miss this deadline, oh, but guess what? Well, we'll push it out another five days. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's apparently a vocal minority, which tends to be the, you know, from 2020 on, it's been the vocal mm-hmm. minority that has kind of, you know, controlled the conversation around a lot of issues. And, um, you know, I, I think some of the challenges that that one side is worried about spending – which there is a lot of government spending going on right now. I don't think there's any question. And um, there, there's not any major concessions there versus some of these, uh, you know, and then the other side, they want more spending and funding for domestic programs. So it's like they, they keep fighting over the same stuff. Um, and the House Rules Committee has to approve this before we can go to a vote on the floor. So um, they are meeting literally right now to uh, um, hash out the rules on the debt ceiling vote. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens here. I mean, I, I have a feeling this is going to get worked out. I, I just I can't imagine this continues to, to go on. I mean, this is a negotiation tactic. That's really my view of it. It'll definitely get worked out. They're just trying to get the most out of it on each side. And you're going to have people on both sides unhappy. You know, nobody's going to be able to get what they want, but that's the way our government's supposed to work. It's supposed to do this, you know, be bipartisan and some people, you know, you just have to concede some things. It's like a marriage, right? There's there's compromise to everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the spending is what really got us into this position anyway with the Fed's increasing the interest rates because they're trying to bring down the inflation. There's way too much money in the market. So it, all that spending created where we are today. Right. They so have to rein it in. Um, I totally understand that, but um, both sides are not going to be happy, but it has to be done and it will get done. 
Right. And I mean, and I think that in these situations, it always comes down to the wire. Like here they are continuing mm-hmm. to put out these extensions. But in <clears throat> even when it, it doesn't get extended out further, like it's never decided in advance. It always goes down to like, you know, the the very end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the challenge here is, I'm, I'm, again, I'm glad the tenure is kind of in line with what with 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 moving downward. I bet it would have gone down more if they would have just passed this thing. Mm-hmm. So would. that that's I mean I was almost I was so clear on that on Friday when we when we were talking about this and it's as soon as this now it's it's not really a done deal yet as soon as the vote goes through my hope is this just drops right back down to six and a half. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I hope I'm right. I mean we'll, we'll see. So what are you telling your clients right now that are worried about this? I mean, has this come up at all? Have you had any questions about this? I mean, rates or the debt seal? I mean, I've had people ask. I mean, what what are you, what are you two hearing? Well, some people are just very frustrated with what's been going on with our government with the debt ceiling. And there is uncertainty. Um, But they do know that there's just some things that are beyond their control and they have to move forward with their lives. So uh, I haven't had any opportunities to talk to buyers about the 7% interest rate at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Still people today contacting me for showings and Mm -hmm. other opportunities. So it wasn't those folks that... It had not been a concern as of this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sometimes just running cost estimates with, um, you know, at a couple different rates just so that you have an idea of of where that's going to fall depending on what is currently going on whenever uh, you get under contract. So kind of hope for the best and be prepared for the worst. And if you're comfortable with those scenarios, then, you know, you can still move forward. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, I mean, it, you got to be really careful because I, I do think there is the opportunity to refinance down the road. But that 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 nonsense—I've heard it again. Like marry the house, date the rate that agents give it. It's it makes it seem like it's just so cavalier to refinance. I mean, it, it's been hard seeing rates come down to six and a half since. Mm-hmm. When do they go? I mean, we were talking October; they were up in the sevens. I mean, and and we had that like that pump fake in January, and then we saw as soon as rates get into the fives, there's like all this demand. So, my my, my hope would be that this this gets hammered out quickly mm-hmm. and it doesn't become this long drawn out thing where Janet Yellen is, is again, extending the deadline and, and all, all those things. Um, and I mean, we've got a week to do it. So let's hope that they can come to terms and that'll, that'll calm the markets back down here. I mean, it's just when things were starting to move along at like a normal pace, mm-hmm. leave it to the government to screw it up. They always do. <laughs> you guys are laughing. They you know will I'm find right, a so. way. <laughs> All right. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we are going to talk about um, this commission lawsuit, some other industry news. And then we have um, an interesting survey from Zillow we're going to unpack about what buyers are most concerned about when they're when they're uh, looking at homes and how they look for agents to guide them with financing. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com. 
www.thepowerhouse.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX main line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool.com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. We've got Nick behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, uh, number 11 in the country. And we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So we've got a couple pieces of industry news I wanted to kind of unpack here, and they'll kind of go one after the other. So the the, the first piece of news uh, came out the end of last week. Um, so on Wednesday, a federal appeals court denied a request from the National Association of Realtors anywhere who used to be Realty, KW, Remax, and Home Services of America, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, parent company, to overturn class certification for the lawsuit that is looking for $41 billion in reimbursements to home sellers for commission that they feel were not properly communicated and charged. So the Seventh Circuit uh, Court denied this petition, and this is just one more step. I, I am clear this is going to actually go to trial uh, at this point because this keeps going on and on, um, and... You know, an appeal court, sometimes they'll, they'll grant an early appeal on a class certification. Um, when, they, when they get, that, that happens occasionally. It's not the most common thing. NAR said they're disappointed. You know, great. And, uh, you know, obviously it just, it just means that this is going to keep moving forward. Um, and that, that was on May 24th. Um, and they, uh, this is uh, just a little over a month after a petition was filed seeking permission to um, 
appeal the, the class status here in this case. So this is continuing to move ahead. Um, how do you think this plays out? Yeah, I know we talk about this a lot, but I, I, I'm clear we need to pay attention to this. Yeah, so what? It's going to... Well, they, they, just, they, it's, they didn't remove the class action status. Right, but and we don't we don't know when the upcoming like trial. Oh, nothing's been set. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is okay. going to go on for a while. Yeah, how would they settle this anyway? Right, like what would they negotiate to settle? Well, there'd court? be some sort of settlement from all these companies in NAR to pay these people. I mean, that that it's it's just, it's they got to pay them. That's all it is. Um, Forty one billion is a lot of money. It's yeah. a ton of money. That's why I'm wondering where where's all this money coming from? Right, and so if it does go to trial. It's e- it goes either way. <laughs> it's either you know tossed out or you know or 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 the judgment is awarded. Mm-hmm. And then again, where does that money come from? So, well, know, I think that's where it's going to get dicey because the, yeah. the, the, the there there's no individual agents named in this suit, right? Yeah, and yeah I was going to ask about that. For the most part, agents are independent contractors, unless you work at like a Redfin or, or somewhere like that where you're an employee, mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I mean, these are these are these are comments on the article. I found this one pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if this guy's an attorney or what, but he writes no award for class members since they didn't pay a realtor when they all bought, so it's a wash. So it, I mean, you, you know, it's it, it's uh, it's almost like a double jeopardy sort of thing. And again, look, we're not attorneys here. Right. I want to say that like loud and very clearly. Like we don't practice law. This is all speculation. And you know the fact that they're saying these commissions aren't negotiable, um, and th- there's there's a constant fixed rate. It's it's not that's not that true. just doesn't happen in the marketplace, and that's the biggest problem I have with this. Is that I mean people negotiate the commissions. Sometimes they negotiate on the phone before they even want to meet with you. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all negotiable. Everything in real estate's negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that I don't know where they're getting that uh, information that they're not negotiable. And, um, I mean, honestly, maybe this is just chipping away and chipping away and chipping away until they're done with buyer's agents. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know where this is going, but it could just be, um, it it seems that for us small business owners as being real estate agents, there is a concerted effort to, you know, hinder the small business. Um, it was really tough through COVID on small business. Mm-hmm. And this would mm-hmm. just be another thing because especially, I mean, if people are talking now about how unaffordable it is for first-time home buyers or FHA buyers, this is going to be devastating to first-time home buyers if they have to also either hire an attorney to buy a house. Or how do you think that's going to work? Go unrepresented. If they hire an attorney in non-attorney states, it's going to make the transactions even more yeah. of a disaster than yeah. they are. Um, you know, I mean, it's it. it yeah, anytime an attorney gets involved in Pennsylvania, we we have standard contracts here, right? They've already been vetted by attorneys, and there's a lot of great attorneys out there. The ones that want us to start changing language in the standard agreement of sale, I mean, or they're they they're not aware of the normal standards of practice in a lot of cases. It, it it's gonna that's gonna be a disaster for buyers. Mm-hmm. Right, and it has to the buyers. It has to come out of their pocket. Mm-hmm. So if you're a first time home buyer or FHA or VA or you know one of those types of of buyers, um, and you don't have a whole lot of cash available, but you can make your down payment because you're already paying you know a decent amount of rent. Mm-hmm. It, this is going to be very very difficult. So it's 
it's going, it's not going to work out well. And it's going to tempt buyers to go unrepresented. Right. And what kind of disaster is that going to be? Right. Huge. Yeah. And this is why, this is why the splits are like they are. This is why the sellers um, negotiate the professional fee. Right. Because, so the buyers can have representation, have a smooth transaction as possible, and not be taken advantage of. Because I think there's a lot of scam artists that could crop up. We know all the unintended consequences. And that's why there's buyer's agents in the first place. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that like many buyers could end up, um, without realizing it, giving up a lot of their, um, you know, ability to do different due diligence and, you know, what happens when this happens. Like if you're just going off of, you know, nothing, then right. you could get yourself in a, a tough situation pretty easily. Miss deadlines. Miss, right. And then you lose out on your deposit. Yep. Yep. So I, I, I see a couple things here that could be a challenge. One, um, buyers aren't going to be able to afford a home. I mean, if they have to pay an additional 3% to represent them, I think that could be a problem. And, and you may even see like sellers offer like a 3% concession to their closing costs to pay the commission. I mean, that, that, right. that could be one outcome here. Um, MLSs are going to have to permit 0% co-ops, um, opening the door for a lot of bad things, like, you know, like uh, steering and collusion and all, the, all those things that happen. Although you can list a home. I mean, pe- Ryan Homes, national builder, offered out 500 bucks on a $900,000 home. And, you know, that, and that people put up with it. So I, 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 that's where I disagree. These things aren't negotiable. Um, the, the, the claim that that's the case, they very much are. And then... I look at the listing agent side of this because there are going to be buyers that want to represent themselves. So what's going to happen is it's going to get dumped on the listing agent. They're going to be doing two sides anyway. Mm-hmm. And who's prepping the agreements? Who's re- like, I want to make an offer. Great. You're going to write it or is someone else going to write? It? And, and I mean, th- th- this is all the stuff that could happen here. And, you know, and, and it's just, there's, there, there's a lot to unpack. So I, I it, it now, I think there's ways this could get, you know, they could come to a settlement of we're going to adjust this, 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 and this, kind of like the NAR and DOJ did. Uh, the problem is this is a, a case, not a uh, not an investigation. I think uh, if buyers ultimately, if that, what you were just describing, Tom, happens where listing agents are going to be representing both sides by default for the most part, mm-hmm. or buyers are just going to represent themselves, and there's going to be so many more lawsuits. Yeah. There's just going to, it's just going to make the industry so much more complex unnecessarily. Right. Well, then there's, there's another comment here I found very fascinating. You have these wholesalers, right? They can pretty much do whatever they want Mm -hmm. and literally rip people off. You want to talk about sellers getting ripped off. How about using a wholesaler? I mean, we've all died. You guys are nodding your heads and they, they have like no oversight. So I'm, I'm not sh- like, this is what doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it's a big trade organization. That, that's the difference. Wholesalers are just kind of a, a, a scummy business, if you will. So um, it's, uh, it, it, it's very interesting here. I mean, I, I just, I'd love to know what NAR is doing. I mean, they, you know, it seems like they're just not doing a whole lot. I haven't heard much from NAR pertaining I, to this at all. Now, now I, I know they can't really talk about it, because mm-hmm. I was uh, um, Nick Bailey from uh, Remax. I, I saw him a couple years ago, or last year, and uh, we did a podcast with him for uh, BAM. And basically, he said, "I'll answer anything you want except about this case." Oh wow! Wow! And he goes, 
I'm not. I'm not kidding around, and that's not what he said. He said it much more sternly, and I, I was like, "Yeah, whatever, man. It's it's cool." But um, so I, I know they can't talk about it. It's an active case. I mean, but and and NAR. I mean, it's just disappointing how this. I mean, you you think they would come out with something better than this? I mean, they're just they're disappointed. Of course, you're disappointed. Well, and then I mean, what's interesting is this is like for a set time frame that that amount had been determined by for those specific sellers like if this does go through then is that going to open the door for more cases opening up since then for well you know well now that happened to me after you know and I missed that window I wasn't in like this chunk of people being represented um and then how far back I mean that right like how far does it go and you open Pandora's box right and where does it end right so so here's so and, and We'll have to see how this plays out. This this could be another year or two before we get any resolution here. The the thing I find fascinating about this is that um, the, the the people are not treating listings like assets in this business, right? We've talked a little bit about how having a low rate mortgage is an asset right now for a homeowner, but if you if you're taking listings and so many agents make this mistake, they get the listing, they just want to sell it, they don't want to leverage it, they don't want to. Um, you know, try to try to get more business out of it. They just put it on the market. They see what happens. I know. I know. Obviously, we don't do things that way for many reasons. Um, you know, but a a listing is an asset, and if you execute your marketing plan pro- properly, one listing can be turned into more opportunities on the buy side and on the sell side. And agents don't just don't approach things that way. Um, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, and there's so many ways. You, like when you take a listing, like I mean, how think of all the ways you could you you could you could leverage that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. With the open house. Well, not just so the open filing. house, though. I mean, uh, so Jimmy Burgess and Jimmy Mackin, uh, two I would say friends of the show at this point. Um, they did an article about this on Inman. So I mean, st- starting promotion before the listing appointment. This is pretty interesting. Um, dear name, I hope you're doing well. Meeting a potential seller tomorrow morning. I can't share many details, um, but what I can say is that homes like this one in this neighborhood sell quickly. If you'd like to receive the details about the home when I'm able to share them, let me know. I think that's really smart. We're going to do this tomorrow. Um, Utilize the one day you have for coming soon because of the NAR clear cooperation rule, which we do, Mm -hmm. um, where you can really leverage that, get the word out, and let people know, like, hey, it's going in the MLS tomorrow, whatever else. Mm Uh, promoting the listing, mega open houses, calling your sphere. Um, I mean, w- w- what ways are you guys leveraging listings and using them as assets? Because I think there's, there's a lot of ways to do this. This article's great, but I- I'm also clear there's, there's more options out there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like there's a lot of opportunity in lead up before you you get the home sold. But as soon as you get it under contract, reaching out to the rest of that neighborhood to let them know, you know, we were on the market this many days, like, I, you know, you can get the full details once it actually um, makes it to settlement, but, you know, kind of reaching out to people post, like in that period there between getting under contract and it settling, um, you know, if you did a great job representing these sellers and you know that you have a good relationship with them, who else do you know? Like just straight up asking, like, you know, friends, family, colleagues, like um, who else is trying to make a real estate decision right now and just asking for the business. I think that's really smart. I'd also like when you, when you're following up with like other people, like using that as a case study, mm-hmm. you do a lot of door knocking. I mean, that that's a great way to leverage the listing. It's when, when you've sold the most recent home in the neighborhood, you're now the expert in the neighborhood. And, and so many agents, they don't, they don't want to, they just sell the listing. They're like, great. 
And it, it, it's just such a mistake. And, I mean, I, I, in this market, when we're talking about people are trying to eliminate buyer agency, mm-hmm. and it's not just this lawsuit, by the way. There's companies that are trying to do this as well. Going back to marketing that's going to generate business because people want to work with Sarah or work with Stacy or work with people on our team instead of instead of just you know waiting for the next like inbound lead to come in and say hey I'm interested it, it's it's so critical and both you two have done that in your business and you're really seeing major results mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I definitely do circle dialing around my listings and um, the past couple listings that I had what I did was I did uh, the Zestimate one where you print out Yes. The, a picture of the Zillow page, right, mm-hmm. with their Zestimate. Um, and it's around my listing that I already sold. And then what I do is, you know, just write directly on that, here's your Zestimate, but recently closed XYZ address at, um, you know, 10% over asking price. So, you know, if you have questions, call me. And I, I just uh, paperclip my card to it, put it in an envelope, handwrite the um, the envelope and send, mail it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I just I'm trying to do more um, focused on marketing that way. Just direct mail or um, definitely the phone calls, the circle dialing. Love it. So with that, there's one other piece of interesting news here. So don't just take the listing. Is someone's phone like blowing up here? Stacy's? Zillow calls. Oh. (laughs) Um, So what I was saying was... um, We've got one other piece of news here, and I, I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, Stacy, you brought this up right before the show. So, I mean, we've got a different mindset on listings, the commission lawsuit, 1% down mortgages. This, this is bananas to me. This is where some of these big lenders are going. So affordability has obviously been a challenge, and Rocket Mortgage, the largest lender in the U.S. last year, announced this one-plus program this week. Um, and... United Wholesale Mortgage, the number two lender, launched a 1% down conventional uh, loan product in April, um, and then they even, then they made their offer even better after Rocket made their announcement. So um, to make 1% down a reality, Rocket offers this. So so it's still, um, the, they, they give a grant, right, of 2% of the down payment, meaning the buyer's got to come up with 1%. And the grant is typically a first-time homebuyer grant that's out there, um, That'll, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of ways this can get done. Um, so they they have access to these grants. Um, there's a couple options. There's the Home Path Ready Buyer Program, National Home Buyers Fund, then Bank of America, Chase, both have them as well. So it looks like Rocket Mortgage is doing the same thing. And so they're they're still coming up with three percent. It's just it they're the buyer's only responsible for coming up with one percent. Um, the Rockets program also covers mortgage insurance at no cost. Wow. That's wild. So that, to me, is, is pretty exciting. Um, it looks like a strong product. Um, and, you know, typically you got to pay that premium. So to give it, like, if you're buying a home at 250000 you could almost pay 250 bucks a month in PMI, just to give an idea. So that's a lot of money, especially at that price point. Um, so... You've got these 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 programs that are out there. I mean, uh, and and United Wholesales apparently is is pretty similar, um, and they they follow the Home Ready and Home Possible grants. So, I mean, do you think this is viable? Are these things going to close on time? What what what's your take oh. on this? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I'd be curious to see 
how quickly it catches on. And then if they, if they like cap it, like if this is just going to be for like a tiny window or if this is something that they're going to continue to, to roll out and use. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, it sounds like a great opportunity for, for people who are looking for first time home buyers. Um, that just don't have the cash at hand. But like you said, Tom, is it is it going to close on time? Are you going to be talking to six different people at Rocket Mortgage and not just one person right. throughout the transaction? Right, no right. matter who's going to be the next person in line that you speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that if, if, uh, if you're on the listing side and you do get one of these uh, as the uh, financing, definitely be on top of it. Reach out to the lender to make sure yeah. you understand the program. Mm-hmm. If if a buyer comes to you with this program, again, reach out to the lender. Find out more information. Who you're going to... Is is this person going to be the same loan officer that you're going to deal with throughout the process? Or there's going to be other people involved? Because that's where the nightmare takes place. Right. When it gets passed off to somebody else further into the system and you weren't made aware of that and you have no idea, nobody's responding to your calls or emails mm-hmm. and you don't have a clue whether this is on track to close Um, right and you find out you know the day before closing that they don't even know who's in charge of it the file got misplaced or it's hanging out somewhere to dry and you have to push it for five days and right. then you're like, oh, yeah. I, I'm Thanks. worried with who the lenders are. Yeah. I think that, I mean, it, in, in theory, it's a great product. When you start to deal with borrowers that have limited income or, and, and they have some income limits here. So to give an example, um, it's uh, in Atlanta, the income limit's 76560 Chicago, it's 84560 Dallas is 76480 New York is 90080 San France, 12880 So, I mean, they have they have these limits here. Um, what, what I get concerned, and that's to, in order to qualify for the grant, what I get concerned about is, that, I mean, do you think these things are actually going to close on time? I know. Yeah, I don't think so. And then you have to worry about the appraisal and what's, what that looks like. And, you know, it, it, it would be a lot to get through. Right. Yeah. I think it would, it would be a lot. So I think the advice you have, Stacey, and we'll break here, is that the listing agents, if you get one of these offers, I'd be vetting this. And even if you're, right. you're, you're a buyer agent, I'd be having a very direct conversation with the lender to make sure all the pieces are in place because the, the deals get hairy when people don't have money and there's very little margin for error. Like one, like, you know, their income goes up or down by a couple hundred bucks. That can change. I mean, I've seen that, that, that dequalify people. Uh, I don't think that's a word, but you get what I mean. So that's what makes me a little nervous here for sure. So I, I'd, be, I'd be very skeptical of these until we see a couple close. I mean, you got to test it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I think that you would definitely want to find out for like settlement time frame, like do like how much additional time mm-hmm. do they need to get through through the process? Um, because like knowing that ahead of time, at least like then you can present that to the seller if you've got the buyer or, you know, whatever the whatever the situation is to know it's going to be longer. If people know up front, I feel like and everybody signs off on it, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's when it's like mid-transaction. And now we have to push back, you know, when you did not see that coming at all, that it gets people and get upset. I, I think if, if if it were my buyer client, I would, this was their loan program that they wanted to utilize. I would probably reach out to the lender and see if there's any way to get them underwritten before mm-hmm. we get out there and start putting offers in. Just so that if, if there is that possibility that they can go through the underwriting process and get pre-committed, um, that would make their process, the buyer's process, easier and then i could explain to listing agents how far along they are in the process got it so we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this zillow research that was done i find this very fascinating because a lot of agents 
don't pay attention to any of this stuff and tell people what they think they want to hear. So we're going to give you what to focus on when you're dealing with buyers next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. Mortgage America is I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, all right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Time. And we've got Nick behind the camera. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country. And we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So, We've got this uh, article from Zillow, and it was uh, I, I find these surveys fascinating because real estate agents tend to believe what everyone like they just make things up. I don't think they read a lot of facts. Like the data usually tells you what to do, and they tend to focus on things that the consumer really doesn't care about. And this uh, was released on May twenty second, so it talks about that it's called the dollars and cents of buying a home. But what I found fascinating in here is answers that were got that, that, that were received. So it talks about like home financing, like who, uh, you know, where, where people get in touch with their lender, how they find out about, about, you know, financing, understanding the costs. So if you look at these numbers here and the, the two things that jumped out at me, 55% of all buyers, 53% of repeat buyers and 58% of first time buyers rely on their real estate agent to give them guidance and let them know who is going to be, who they should get financing with. I mean, is that, is that shocking to you? Not really. I mean, there's, I would say a decent amount of my buyers come in already having uh, 
whether or not this is like the first time they purchased a home, like they have a friend or a family member or their friend has recommended this person that like they they want to go with or they want to use. But a lot of them haven't haven't hit that point yet. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's for me, it's like a mixed audience yeah. too. There's yeah. folks that come in that they're already pre-approved and they because it's their financial institution that mm-hmm. they're working with. You know, some people, if they work at some of these financial institutions yeah. like, you know, Chase or, right. you know, they're already, oh, I can, you know, I'm already pre-approved. Um, but some people, they just jump right into the home buying process and they're not even pre-approved. Mm-hmm. They don't even know that that's like the first step or one of the very first steps. Right. Um, they just want to go look at the house. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where may- maybe that's the majority of the people. <laughs> they right. just start, yeah, hey, we're going to buy a house and let's right. go. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah. 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 And then when they meet with the agent, that's when they realize, hmm, you know, how am I going to pay for right. this? <laughs> Are you working with a lender? So that that's not as surprising. I, I agree with you. I mean, we get asked for referrals all the time on that stuff. And then some people shop around, obviously, do, do that sort of thing. I, I, it's, more importantly, though, agents, what, the, what they end up doing is they, they, they start talking about, like, oh, you want to get like, the best rate. or I mean, or this person's easy to work with. But the number one concern about, um, about financing is understanding all the costs associated with the mortgage and the home payment. It's 56% of people. I am clear, not many agents actually break those numbers down until it's time to make an offer. Yeah, that's something that we, you know, we take that seriously and we try to put these numbers in front of people as soon as possible so that they can, their eyes are open to it. Yeah. Um, And if they have, you know, if they want to dive further deeper into it, especially when it relates to the lender fees, I don't know anything about the lender fees. I don't know what that's all about. And I know that, you know, based on their credit, they, there's different levels, um, but there's things that are definite title insurance. Mm-hmm. prorated taxes. You know, there are certain closing costs that are fixed for the most part, and we can provide that information to our potential buyers right up front so they can start... Di- I mean, when you look at the spreadsheet the very first time out, it really looks overwhelming. Sure. You know, you want to try to explain to them as best as you can, but when it comes to the actual mortgage and the financing, I leave that up to the lenders to yeah. do their explaining. You know, what I would argue every agent should be doing, and we, we, we train on this and talk about this all the time at our team, is, hey, here's a sample closing cost estimate. This is your financial plan to get into the home. And then, I, and because it's overwhelming, Stacey, mm-hmm. I'd circle the monthly payment if they're getting financing and how much cash to close. Mm-hmm. Just give them those two numbers. I mean, I see you smiling here. Is that what you would want to know, Sarah? Because I know you're not, you're not as analytical as some people and not, right, not, not, not in a good bad way. Right. Yeah. Sometimes when you try to dive in too deeply from the get-go, if it's, it's just too much. And then if there's somebody that wants more detail than just your, you know, this is your monthly, mm-hmm. this is your cash to close, then, and they want to ask additional questions, it's all right there. And then you can like break into it further. Using the word financial plan instead of here's your closing cost estimate to me is so much more effective too, because that's what people really want to know. And then when you dive into the rest of this, understanding how much you can afford is 45%. Researching mortgage and rates is 41%. So really the biggest by far, the biggest concern is understanding all the costs and the home payment. Mm -hmm. And just showing, hey, here's here's the cash to close. Here's the payment. Here's what we got to. I, I think it's it, another classic example of real estate agents overcomplicating things for consumers, and then they don't know what the heck they're talking about. I like the the cost sheets because I can show folks how, like, the difference that ten thousand dollars is going to make in their monthly payment, and. So you can do different price points on the exact same property so that they have an idea, oh, it's not going to, yeah, $10,000 seems like a big number. But then when you break it down over 30 years, they can see how much more it would add monthly to their payment. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes more easy for them to digest and be right. like, okay, we're, we're good with that. Right. 
the third part of this shares uh, or, or sheds light, excuse me, on some of the affordability issues that are here right now. Uh, because it, it looked like all successful buyers, they um, and then they broke it down by, um, you know, in, into demographics as well, which we're not going to do here. But 43 percent of all successful buyers, they started cutting back on like entertainment, like going out like uh, to eat concerts, movies, that sort of stuff. I mean, it, it was basically it was 71% of buyers reported at least one sacrifice made to save up enough to finance a down payment. And I think I think that's a good thing because you should be fiscally responsible. Some of these things here were a little, were a little disturbing. So 12% skipped meals, mm-hmm. right? 9% postponed or cancel, canceled health services. That was a little surprising to me. I mean, and I think that really demonstrates the affordability challenges that we're, we're seeing right now. What, what, what do you guys think about that? That's concerning. Yeah, that's concerning. I mean, I lived in a smaller home than desired. That's normal. Mm-hmm. We've all been in small homes. Well, you don't, you don't right? want to live above your means. I mean, <laughs> right. I think that that's a big challenge. Right. Postponed or canceled vacation plans. I mean, I mean, I think yeah. that that's something where oftentimes in like the year leading up to purchasing or like the year or two after, maybe maybe you're not going on the the really nice vacations and maybe you're doing like a couple long weekends here or there somewhere closer by that you mm-hmm. don't need the airfare, you don't need all of the, the things. So I think part of those are some of those sacrifices I feel like are just part of unless if you have like unlimited means or or whatnot um that's kind of part of the process and it's one of the less fun parts of it you know but um that's just kind of the way that it goes the the skipping meals and the healthcare ones that's that that is surprising that's a shame to me i mean that shouldn't be right you know what i mean canceling subscriptions yeah I mean, I think people should do that annually anyway, like go through and see, you know, what, check your credit card statements every once in a while and see what subscriptions Mm -hmm. you have, Mm -hmm. because most people don't even know what they have. Um, Worked more hours in second job. Nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, if you're trying to save for a down payment. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the skipping meals, I haven't heard of that. And the can definitely canceling or postponing the health services is very concerning. Yeah. So, you know, the, the lesson from all of this here is that there is so much data available to real estate agents about what consumers actually care about. You should probably start paying attention because if you were to just make one adjustment to your initial meeting with the buyer and saying, here's your financial plan to get into a home, you're meeting 56% of the people with the information they need unsolicited, right? And that's probably going to help you win more clients. And not enough agents research this stuff. And the the this is very true that... You know, a lot of people come to the realtor, the realtor, I always say that wrong, um, for guidance here. So if you're able to guide these people from the get-go, you know what's going to happen, Stacey and Sarah? They're not going to go to someone else and ask them the other questions. So it's knowing what the consumer wants. And this is based on real data. You know, Zillow knows their stuff. So, I mean, is is this something you guys do at every appointment or the initial appointments? Are you going to start doing it? Like knowing what you know now, are you going to adjust your approach at all? Well, the, providing the cost sheets is standard practice in my business. Yes, yeah. one of the first. No things surprise. We so, and you'd be surprised at how many times I hear, "Oh my gosh, this is so helpful!" Right. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh giving you the nuts and bolts. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so at that point, you know that they haven't seen those sheets yet, mm-hmm. and they haven't. And even if they do those. Um, those cost estimators online, they don't include the prorated taxes and things like that. They really don't. I mean, they might come somewhat close to the monthly payment, but they're right. off. They could be off by a couple hundred mm-hmm. dollars. Yeah, for sure. Or more. So, yeah, no, I would say like this is part of like standard practice, but it's just like a reminder to make sure that like each of those little steps while prepping, especially for those initial impo- um, appointments matter. 
Yeah, for sure. So if you want to sell more houses to buyers, bring the closing cost estimate and call it the financial plan. I think that's a great takeaway from this week's episode of Tool Time Real Estate Radio. And that's going to do it for us this week. You want to follow Sarah. She's at Ty underscore Ty Time on Instagram. You can follow Stacy at the number two Mitchco on Instagram. You can follow me at Tom Tool. 3RD at Tom Tool 3rd. And we're streaming live every single week. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. And we'll be back next week on WWDB 860 AM on Tool Time Real Estate Radio.